You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, can you come clean and admit that you were the person that was responsible for uh, cutting up the Mitch Duncan highlight package for last night's award ceremony? It was a strange one. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they managed to let that one because, first of all, you think about the the process that they have to go through for TV to get the that produced, and then Dermy has to actually be up there and speaking about Mitch Duncan. It was a very, very strange one that they had a video uh, package for a player that wasn't even in the 40-man squad. I mean, I I will say, and maybe I'm a little biased, I thought Duncan was stiff not to get in the 40-man squad, but uh, still, very strange that that got through. It was. We're going to talk more All-Australian later on in the show, but there are some other things for us to to talk about. Should we uh, catch up on some other news before we talk uh, awards nights stuff, Kane? Because uh, Jack Gunston looks like he is staying with Hawthorne. Yeah, I mean, he was under contract for another two years. Yesterday, or over the last probably 24 to 48 hours, there was some talks that Collingwood were interested, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, we spoke about uh, Collingwood's uh, lack of scoring punch-up forward, I guess, and there's been a lot of factors as to why that's been the case. So I certainly understand why they would be interested in a player like Gunston, kicked 31 goals this year. Uh, you know, really, all-Australian caliber season, he was in the squad in a Hawthorne team that really struggled. Uh, he's still... You know, in his late 20s, so he's still got plenty of good footy ahead of him. So I understand why Collingwood would want him. I'm actually curious to know what you think about Gunston and that fit with Collingwood anyway, because I think all season long we've spoke about the fact that I probably believe they need a, a taller option, a contested marking option rather than another mid-sized guy. So they've been flicking my check. Jane Stevenson's been in and out of the team. We know Jamie Elliott, Jordan Degoe. They have all these uh, smaller two mid-sized forwards. I'm not sure whether Gunston is the guy uh, that they would want to recruit anyway, so I'm not necessarily sure that this is such a bad thing for the Pies. Well, Gunston averaged 0.8 contested marks this season out of his uh, 4.2 marks. Like not, he's 193 centimetres. He had a successful season, obviously. He kicked 31 nine, so you know, ridic- uh, ridiculous... Um Sorry, he kicked 31 goals, not 31-9. Uh, 31-21, he kicks. So it's, it's 50, uh, 52 shots on goal. He's yeah, prolific in that forward line, but that's not who he is. He's not a contested mark player that you need to you know, be worried about in that scenario. So I, I sort of agree because he sort of fits that role of a you know, what a Hoskin Elliott does, an Elliott does, mm. a Stevenson does. It, just, it, it would feel a, a lot like duplication, and that's something we've criticized Collingwood in the midfield for before as well. He's just having a lot of duplication in there rather than the, the different type of uh, player archetypes that you need to fill out for a successful uh, for successful forward line. So you look, it, it's, it's a moot point now, obviously, because he, he doesn't look like he's moving on from Hawthorne, but uh, yeah, it was a strange one. Yeah, I, again, I just think, and, and maybe... Over the summer, Collingwood change the way they're playing a little bit, so so maybe that would uh, change the situation, and Gunson would be able to have some success there. But I still think you look at the other tall forwards that are there. I mean, I, I think they're a long shot, obviously, to get someone like Danaher. But Ben Brown, maybe I don't know. A, a taller, a taller option, perhaps for the Pies is the direction I would be going. But I, I don't know if we mentioned this yesterday or not. But there was a lot of talks about uh, Jack Watts yesterday, Josh. 
uh, former number one pick. Always kind of felt bad for Jack Watts at Melbourne because he. all I remember about him clearly when he came into the league, number one pick, as they often do, he was doing all the media. He was the, the face of the demons. He was going to bring them back to success. But the reality was he never really had the build of a key forward. And it's kind of funny. We just talk about a guy like Gunston. But as an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old, he's just come out of high school, Melbourne were trotting him out in a pretty bad Demons team and saying, well, you're going to be our centre-half forward. You're going to be our key position forward. And to be honest, he just got monstered. And it really felt like the way that they rolled him out and the expectations they had on him. And it was almost part of a show. He clearly wasn't ready to play footy, but they were just rolling him out there because they thought, well, people will come and watch Jack Watts play. Then he'd have three or four possessions, have no real impact on the game. And it just became, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, I, I just thought that they treated him pretty poorly and he never really recovered. He actually played his best footy as an athletic guy that can get around the field a little bit, uh, get up the ground along the wings, along half back and pick up possessions, which as the as the game moved on, I guess his size was more suited to that position than playing key forward. Yeah, look, he's 196 centimeters, but only weighed 88 kilos, so didn't yeah. have that real bulk. He only played three games in his first season, interestingly enough, and only played two games in the last two years. But you're right, he wasn't that big contested mark power forward guy. He was a a half forward sort of a player, and he had some he had some good games. There's, there's no doubt about yeah. that that he was able to push up and have that impact and get the ball and deliver it well and just you know, run to position and get in the right spots. I, I remember a couple of games uh, yeah, vividly of Jack Watson coming in and, and really you know, putting his stamp on games. Um, it never quite worked out. That's often what happens with the hype for the number one pick. And that, that can, uh, if you're there, not managed correctly. It feels like he probably needed to get out of Melbourne earlier and maybe for the sake of both of those guys before his value actually tanked and to actually improve his career, he probably needed to move on from there a little bit earlier. But the, the structure of, uh, of list management in the AFL probably doesn't allow that as easily as what it would in other sports and for other situations in Melbourne being a little bit stubborn given their lack of success over that time. They're not willing to give up on a player like that. It's not even giving up. It's just trying to get the best out of him because you weren't getting it there with that team where he could go to another squad and have a little bit more anonymity in his, uh, rather than having that constant, like, you're shit, why do we pick you number one? It doesn't It doesn't help that the number two pick yeah, was Nick Natanui. In that draft, despite his injury concerns, he's obviously been significantly more successful than Watts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just think about the guy that they got a few years later, or more than a few years later, I guess, but their next big key forward target that they brought in, Jesse Hogan, um, just the size difference. Yeah. And 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 I think, you know, because I, I think about key forwards when they come into the game, clearly they all take a little bit of time. Hogan did a little bit, but he was at least better suited to come into the AFL. Another one, I was trying to think who were the, the real... The, the bulky key forwards that have come in. Tom Hawkins, I guess, was a monster in junior footy and came in. But even he took three or four years to be able to feel comfortable. So um, to have the added pressure of the number one pick as well. Uh, yeah, tough go. Tough go for Jack Watts. But in the end, he played over 170 games. A pretty decent career. You talk about those other bulky forwards. You know, you've got uh, uh, Tom Boyd and John Patton up uh, in right. GWS yep. as well. And you know, Tom Boyd obviously had his struggles and he's out of the game now. Justin Patton, uh, Justin Patton, uh, Jonathan <laughs> Patton's uh, injuries have... Justin Patton's him. had his struggles as well, by the way. He has a uh, finger surgery for Justin Patton, for those of you who know <laughs> what the hell we're talking about. Um, uh, John Patton's had all his knee problems and you know, really struggling to find his position. So sometimes it's hard for these key forwards, these bigger guys who really dominate... Um, you know, underage footy because of size, and that doesn't always translate across. But we did have the AFL Awards nights last night. Okay, we're going to talk All-Australian team a little bit later, but a couple of other news things here. 
Lockie Neal cleans up with the coach's MVP and the player's MVP. I think that was pretty expected. He is the uh, favorite or close to the favorite, uh, depending on where you're looking uh, for the Brownlow medal. I expect him to to win the Brownlow medal. And then we had, uh, well, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, Caleb Sarong winning the Rising Star. But I, I just want to uh, pose this, because there's not much to talk about, because we sort of knew Sarong was going to win. Um, we knew that Lockie Neal would win those awards. But I want, I want to posit this to you. Who would you say had uh, a better five-game output this season, Jake Riccardi or, or Matt Rowell? Uh, Rowell. You, you, you'd say that that's pretty obvious, yeah? Yeah, yeah. The AFL's lead uh, journalist, Damian Barrett, gave two votes to Jake Riccardi in uh, in his Rising Star ballot while omitting Matt Rowell. Now, okay, he gave Sarong five, Max King four, Noah Anderson three. Hard to argue with that. Jake Riccardi got two. Now, is, J- is Jake Riccardi's five games better than Matt Rowell's five games? Like, if you're going to say the games don't matter, then why is Rowell not getting in your ballot? That, to me, is uh, it's a it's a weird voting system. It is very strange. I don't know how you could possibly even come up with that. I mean, Matt Rowell, at the time that he went down in that game, was... He was literally he was like unbackable in, as a favorite. Yeah, he was in the top three, I think, for the Brownlow, yeah. let alone <laughs> anything else. So, hey, listen, Riccardi, uh, by the way, I mean, we spoke about him a lot. I actually thought that he sort of turned the the season for GWS, and I know it didn't work out, but it looked like he could potentially um, straighten up their forward line a little bit. He was absolutely fantastic, but that's uh, that's ridiculous. I didn't see that one. There's there's no possible way that you could uh, actually vote Riccardi ahead of Rao. That doesn't make any sense. He Maybe kicks, he's got a short memory. Short memory. That, that's possible. He kicked six goals in his first two games. Uh, Riccardi, he kicked three in the next three. So it, it, the impact did drop off after those first couple of games. So I, I just wanted to point that out because that was pretty ridiculous. Um, before we talk, actually, no, let, let's let's do it. Let's talk All-Australian team right now because the team was announced. We announced our team on the last two shows. And Kane, it was a little bit different. Um, yeah, how, how, do we, how do we look at this squad? Who do you think was the most unlucky player not to make the team? Probably Maynard. Uh, I had, you didn't even have him in. I know, but uh, I had him first out yesterday when we spoke about it or over the last couple of days when we went through our team. So I thought I thought he was going to get in. And I must admit, like I did my team, and the more I thought about it, I thought that's probably the obvious one that I'm going to come unstuck here. I, I think he'll, he will end up getting in the squad. But you look at the back line. Again, probably the surprise, and most people will say the surprise was Darcy Byrne-Jones, but I had him in my team, so I can't really say that. Brad Shepard was an interesting one. He's had a fantastic season. There's no doubt about that. When you talk about the way that we look at defenders in 2020, they are also accumulators, and they get their own disposals. They take those intercept marks. uh, They get meters gained. And and the thing about Shepard is that he doesn't really do any of that uh, on an elite, elite level. He just sort of finds the footy, rarely gets beaten in one-on-ones. The one thing that stands out when you look across his stats, uh, spoils are elite. He gets uh, he's 3.7 spoils per game ranks as elite uh, around the league. Uh, and, and also his marks and one percenters. So he does a lot of unrecordable things. Uh, Brad Shepard had a fantastic season, probably off the radar a little bit because the Eagles are so, so star-studded. Uh, I think it was a fine selection. Uh, I probably... If, if they were going to go with that back six, I probably would have put Maynard in instead, though. Yeah, I'd say Maynard is pretty stiff to, to miss out. I'd also have Tom Papley as uh, as pretty tough to miss out. We can talk about that forward line in a second. But I think Papley was pretty uh, pretty unlucky 
to, to make it in there. Um, you've, you've got a list here, or you know, a talking point for us to talk about. Which player would you remove first? It, it probably is Shepard for me. I didn't mm. really consider him when looking at that back six. I I, I didn't have Burn Jones in my in my back six, and um, yeah, I, I don't mind that selection. He was someone who at least considered. I, I didn't really consider Shepard as a, as an option. You know, when looking at those other guys, so it would probably be yeah him would be the, the first guy that I'd look to take out of that team. And to be fair, I will say this because when I look at this team, I'm like, yeah, I can make a case for every single one of these players. Of it all makes sense to me. So it's not that if I say, yeah, I probably would have put a Maynard in ahead of Shepard. It's not necessarily that he didn't deserve to be in there. Or I think it's a bad selection. Shepard was fantastic. Uh, I just, I mean, <laughs> if I had to pick 22, which is what we're doing. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess Maynard maybe would have slipped in there for Shepard. The other one, obviously, that I had wrong in the back line. And I had 18 out of 22. So I said I said yesterday, if I didn't get 22, I was going to be disappointed. But all, all things considered, I was pretty happy with 18. The other one I had wrong from the back line that I think a lot of people were shocked by uh, was Weedering missed out. And Harris Andrews obviously uh, took that spot at fullback where, where I had him in the team. Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, I had Andrews in there. You had Darcy Moore uh, in as well, which I didn't have. I had Ed Weeding. I think Moore was my first one out. I had 17 of the 22 in. So, um, you know, missed you there by one in mm. uh, in selecting that team. But overall, again, it's a 40-man squad, which it's hard to argue with the you know, bona fides of those 40 players. Like, they're all pretty good. They're all really, really good players. So whoever's in there, yeah, deserves it to a degree. I just think that some of the... Um, some of that, uh, some of those players probably I would have. Well, obviously I had them in different positions or, or different uh, had different guys in the, the team that ended up being there. The controversy did rage last night though about the selections in the forward line. So the All Australian forward line, we had Charlie Dixon and Tom Hawkins, exactly what we had at centre half forward and full forward. No, no complaints there. We both had Liam Ryan in, and he made it. But then the controversy is around Patrick Dangerfield, Marcus Bontempelli at half forward, and then Dustin Martin in the forward pocket. Now Patrick Dangerfield. I read today, Kane, that he's uh, yeah, eight All-Australian nods, but his last six mm. in a row have all been named on the half-forward flank. Now, Dangerfield does yeah, move down forward at times, but at, at Bontepelli drifts down forward as well. But these are guys that at nearly every center bounce, they are not lining up in the forward line. Dustin Martin, similar. They are nearly always in the center. They will move down forward, and they will have some... Um, yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, spend some time down there they'll kick, take grabs they'll kick goals there's no one debating that now I had Fife and Petrarca as my two half forwards who are midfielders but they will often start outside the center square and particularly Fife that Freeman will do that quite a bit so that's why I felt more comfortable having him there but Bontempelli will just will never really start down there Dangerfield similarly Martin similarly as well so while it's yeah and I think that's what having the bench is for to put those guys on if you're not going to name them in the squad, where I had you know Jack McRae on my bench, I had Patrick Dangerfield on my bench because I, I didn't find those spots in the midfield for them, so I, I stuck them on the bench. So I don't really have you know, too much of a problem with them getting in the team, but I just think the selection of those players, Martin, Dangerfield, and Bontepelli in the fourth line, when they would just never line up there despite drifting down there, is, it's a little bit disingenuous. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I think that, uh, and I didn't have Dangerfield in my four line. I had Dusty Martin there. I definitely didn't have Bontempelli. So Bontempelli is the one that sticks out to me that's very strange. I wouldn't have had him in the forward line. I think they probably could have avoided that by just putting him in the center and putting Petrarca up forward. But yeah. uh, I mean, Dangerfield and Martin, I don't 100% agree that they're always in at the center bounces. Certainly they're at a, at a percentage of center bounces, but Dangerfield in particular has basically played full games up forward this year. Okay. 
for a significant stretch, particularly through the footy frenzy. And Dustin Martin, uh, the same. I mean, I know people point to his first six or seven weeks that he wasn't at his best. A lot of those times he was playing basically permanent full forward or in the forward line, uh, even though you know, potentially he was injured. And so, I, I, I mean, you could argue Dangerfield in the past. I would have absolutely no problem with previous years saying that he, there's no way he could be named as a forward. I'm just not sure this is the year to make that complaint because he has been down there. And, the, and it's been by circumstance, I believe, because of the way the season has gone and the fact that they were playing off three or four-day breaks and they didn't give him a rest at all. Virtually, he played uh, every game. So I don't think that there was a complaint there. And if you talk about the guys that they could have replaced... Butler and Papley, no doubt about it. We spoke about Butler yesterday. Unfortunately, the last seven or eight weeks really hurt him. And he, his numbers are well down. He hasn't been kicking goals. The pressure's certainly been there, but there's not too many guys that just get into the All-Australian team purely on their pressure acts. And Papley, he also went through a seven-game stretch from round nine through to round 16. Seven games where he only kicked three goals. So, I, you know, I had Papley in my team. And I think I probably would have put Papley in there. And I completely ignored your question before when you said who I would have uh, taken out. But Max Gorn's probably the one. I wouldn't have had a second Ruckman yeah, in there. I didn't once have a second got, Ruckman in mine either. Yeah, once you got Nick Nat in there, I'm not sure why you would have Max Gorn there. I didn't think I had Nick Nat originally anyway. I thought that he was clearly the best Ruckman. I know I know you went with Gorn, Josh. But uh, I, I would have had Max Gorn out. I would have slipped one of those, those guys in the forward line to the bench and I would have put Papley in there personally. So, again, I think that he's certainly stiff. But I don't think that this is the year out of all years to to point out and say, well, I don't think those guys should be in the forward line. Dustin Martin, actually, 223 out of his 328 disposals. So around 70% of his disposals this year have been in the forward half. He's definitely there. That's where he does his damage. I know they didn't kick as many goals as Butler or Papley, but we're past the point. This isn't the 90s. Like the, the job of the forward isn't just purely to kick goals. They do so much else. And those two guys in the forward half are as influential as anyone. And I, I, don't, I just don't have a problem with them being in the team this year. Bontempelli, I'll say, Josh, is a little bit odd. I would have had him in the team, maybe not in the forward line. But I, I didn't have a problem with Danger or Dusty this year. Well, the Bontempelli one is just simple. You just switch him and Petrarca around. Because exactly, yeah. yeah. That's, and that's how, I, that's how we both had it. Petrarca does you know, play a bit of time up forward. Bontempelli drifts forward, but he's never up there to, to start you know, a bounce or a game. He's in the guts and, and pushes forward. So that's yeah, that, that's an easy switch. So while you can argue with that, and, and you can, look, plenty of people argued that Dangerfield and Martin shouldn't even be in the team in general. And I think they probably... We had this discussion yesterday, though, about Dangerfield, whether he was a yeah, an absolute you know, lock to get in. And we said, I'm, I'm not a, as certain with him this year. We both put him in, but we weren't as sure on that um, but I don't think we really had any debate about Dusty in that sort of an area and uh, he, he made the team and I don't really have too much of a problem with that um, other discussions though around this and this is, is always comes up as well is the captaincy and we talked yesterday <laughs> whether we give a shit about it or not um, and we thought yeah, who is going to get the captaincy and it was the guys that we mentioned your Dangerfield and Boak as the captain and vice captain and uh, neither of them are captains of their team Um I don't think it matters. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, do you have a problem with non-captains being selected as All-Australian captain when um, when there are other players who are actually team captains in that squad? So who are the captains that are in the squad? Bont? Uh, Bont and Obviously. Pally. Yep. Yeah. Um, Gorn? Okay. Yeah, Gorn. That's a good call. I did uh, did forget about him. But, I mean, come on. I think there's, yeah. I think there's one other, and I'm trying to figure out who it is. Um, I don't, maybe, maybe there isn't another one. I, th- I, well, think, you're not, I think it's just those two, yeah. You're not going to make them captain, are you? Because 
I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're not playing a game of footy. They just don't care so much. And my pick would have been Boak. I said that. Uh, long-time captain. He actually uh, was the vice-captain of this team. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly find myself getting more annoyed at the outrage than I do anything else. I mean, the one thing that you can't accuse the All-Australian selectors of, and, and people will do it all the time, is but they'll say, well, you know, Dangerfield and Martin just got in because the selectors love them. Well, there's 12 new All-Australians in this team, and every single year... There's a whole bunch of new All-Australians in there. Fife didn't get in. Pendlebury didn't get in. So guys that have been perennial or uh, All-Australians didn't get into the team. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it doesn't really matter. I saw I saw on Twitter, I was scrolling through just to check the reactions. And the center line of Nick Nat, Petrarca, and Neil, there were still people complaining, saying, this player was robbed. This, this center line's bullshit. And it's like, well, if you've got Nick Nat, Petrarca, and Neil, and, and you're still complaining, then you're always going to complain. Let's be honest. What do you make about the wing situation where um, yeah, McRae allegedly spent 4% of his time on the wing? I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> true because he spent quite a bit of his time on the wing when Lockie Hunter was out earlier in the season. And this is not to say that you know, McRae shouldn't be in the team because we both had him in there. But yeah, and, and Guthrie spent, what, 15% of his time on the wing apparently when there are other yeah, highly qualified wingmen in this squad, like we talked about Menangola, we talked about Gaff, there was McCluggage as, as wing options as well. And do you have a problem with throwing those midfielders, just let's just get these guys on, in the team? I feel like it's either got to be one way. you either got to have positions and you construct a team with positions or you've got to have, um, no, he's just the best 22 players. doesn't matter what they do. They should just change the wording. They should just change it to defenders, mids and forwards rather than uh, wings because... And again, that does go away from, I guess, uh, the the idea of the team and the fact that you are setting the lineup. So I, I'm not sure whether that's the best thing to do, but they should just do it. Because clearly, if you're going to talk about positions, and I, I know I just defended the forward line a little bit there, but the wings is the one that's very strange to me. And I thought one of the most bizarre selections in the team, I mean, you speak about McRae. I actually had him <laughs> named on the wing just because, I don't know, I, I like the idea of having a righty. Uh, wingman and a lefty wingman. I don't know. That's kind of old school. But Cam Guthrie, I thought, was a very strange selection on a wing because his teammate was probably the best wingman in the game. Yeah, that, that was weird. It, it just, I, I was just kind of shocked when I saw that. And again, it's not to say that Guthrie didn't deserve to be uh, an All-Australian. He's been fantastic this year. He's averaged 22 uh, disposals. He's a leader around the clearances. He's elite. Uh, with his efficiency with the ball as well. He's, he's had an incredible year, Cam Guthrie, but his numbers actually stack up very, very, very comparably to Sam Menegola. He also averaged 21 disposals per game. Uh, and and the one thing that stands out with Menegola when you look at his possession heat map is he's a true wingman. He does it from the back line to the forward line. He pushes back, helps out the defense, the old traditional wingman role, and he holds his spot uh, out on the far wing, takes contested marks as well. So, I, I mean, if you're going to complain about positions, certainly the wing for me is the one that they just completely ignore. And it's just the to select Guthrie ahead of Menegola was was just kind of bizarre. The you talk about you know you could just have mids in there, but wing is an actual position. Like yeah, in the, yeah. Yeah, in the in, I did it again in, in the AFL. Like it's an actual position, right? So these guys have set roles. It's not just like you go follow the ball. They have specific areas that they defend and they push into. They work on generally one side of the ground, but they have specific positions that their that their role is. Much like half forwards, are specific positions, and yeah, for as much as we talk about, oh look, all eighteen players in the in the defensive fifty. That's true. Those guys push up, but they all have specific roles. And wing is a very specific role that. 
if you don't know how to play the wing or you aren't yeah, adept at that, then you can get sucked into following the ball in the wrong position, leave your opponent yeah, unmanned, and get really cut up. Because what the idea of the wingman is, not that guy, not just that guy who pushes back and defends and, and can clog up space, but when you looked at like in, you hear the commentator say, "Oh, they're out now." That's because there's a wingman who's busted his ass and he's run out there to be that guy that's created that space. Almost invariably, that's the sort of player they are. They're that link player who provides that great sort of run. So, uh, look, you've you've left a note in in here for us to talk about. You know, would you change the system at all? And I've got an idea for you. Now, this is probably going to be a terrible idea, but this is yeah my <laughs> idea for the system. Right? We talked about it yesterday. Do you have like a, a second team or Australian team? Or whatever? Yeah, okay, you didn't like that idea. That's fine. I've got, I've got a different one for you here. We name this 40-man squad or, or the players there. Um, why do we need to name a squad for a start? I don't know why. Like, is, if there's the honor in being named to the squad, but then we complain about who's in or out, I'm not sure we need to do that. I think we need to do it in a, in a situation where we don't have seven blokes, I think it is, deciding on this team. Uh, we've got Gil McLaughlin, Kevin Bartlett, Darcy, Luke Darcy, Steve Hawking, Glenn Jakovic, Chris Johnson, Cameron Ling, Matthew Richardson, Warren Treadway. So it's all former players that are, that, are, that are deciding on this. We only have those seven or eight guys. Why don't we have uh, it done on a more broading, a broader perspective through um, former players, coaches, media members, selecting their team, not six blokes sitting around a table and saying, yeah, I think Adam should be in. Yeah, I agree. And then you have that that peer pressure-ish sort of group think really pushing into those players. Expand the voting pool and get people to say, well, you are accredited to uh, you know, provide this All-Australian team. Here's my team. And then you add up those votes and you see who's in most teams and then the team gets announced that way rather than, you know, Eight blokes sitting around a table jacking each other off under it, trying to work out who's going to get in the squad, and then they all start influencing each other. Have have fifty blokes. There's enough bloody people in footy media that you can get multiple people in there. Have a wide enough range where the you can yeah, a nonsense decision can get taken out of it, but you also don't get a very very narrow pool of ideas that literally they're talking at each other to to tell them who they should put in and try and convince each other, which I don't think is the most ideal system. Yeah, I, I don't know how those conversations go. You'd have to imagine at some point some some pe- people that are in that uh, in that group would just say, "Ah, stuff it. I can't be bothered arguing anymore." Yeah, you, That's exactly you take what I think. T- take Guthrie on the wing. So the one thing I would say is, and this is where you could, this could potentially eliminate the discussion every single damn year that we have about uh, midfields, forwards, and backs. I, I like where you're going here. Let's go. It, is that similar to what you're suggesting? Have that kind of uh, group scenario where, yeah, expand it to whatever or just do it separate, have ballots and say, okay, we've got 25 people that are going to cast their ballot, but uh, you you go for backs, uh, mids and forwards. And so there's none of this, well, this guy didn't get in my ballot, but I want him in the team, so I'm going to yes. squeeze him in a half forward flank. Or this guy, I, I like him a lot. Um, but I, I'm going to put him in the back line because I just want him in the team. If you separate the players when you do the squad, yes, and you say you got because this, this is this is really how I I did my team. I said I, I put the list of forwards, mids, and backs there, um, which probably gives away the reason why I don't think I had an issue with Dusty in the forward line because I had him in my forward group. But which is maybe cheating a little bit. But you could do this by um, time spent up forward as well, so you can actually put some numbers behind it. So you can say what's the cutoff for someone to qualify as a forward. 
Do you have to have spent uh, more than 50% of game time this season playing in the forward 50? You can just put a bit more method to what you're trying to do rather than just chucking in 40 blokes. And then the people can decide and there's no shuffling. There'll be guys that'll be unlucky that'll miss out in the midfield. There's no doubt about that. But you would get more definitive forwards in the forward 50. Uh, defenders in the back 50, although the back line's never usually a problem. Uh, but I, I think that would eliminate some of that discussion. I agree. That was going to be my second point is when you have the, the guys out there on the ballot, they have positions and you don't necessarily have guys with multi positions. You just say, well, this where do they spend their time? Here it is. Yeah. And you name them there. You're going to have... Key, de- key defender, other defender. Inside midfielder, outside midfielder. Tall forward, you know, small medium forward. There's your groups. And then at the end, you name that team and the four highest vote getters, regardless of the position, get chucked on the bench. Because tra- traditionally you would have, and if this is the way, if this is the path you wanted to go down, then that, that's totally fine. But you could have uh, three tall forwards, three smalls. Yep. Three tall backs, uh, three small backs. Uh, two wingers, and you might have uh, four wingers that are in the squad. You got to pick two that are in the team. I think, you know, again, it, first of all, you're never going to stop people from complaining anyway. So when people ask why would you have the 40-man squad, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It provides conversation for a couple of days, and then they're going to pick the team, and people are going to be mad anyway. So you're never really going to stop uh, that debate uh, from fans and and media and all the rest and people like us, Josh. But uh, I think, yeah, I mean, if you want to eliminate the position conversation, then that's that's the simple fix. It, it, it is to me. Like, and I was staring at it and I was thinking, am I missing something? That's why I was like, yeah, caution, cautionarily t- telling you this. Like, is this a shit idea? So it felt, it, all this felt pretty straightforward that you could you do this by not having this. And I reckon it's exactly what happens where they go, you know, Cameron Ling's gone. Oh, I reckon Cam Guthrie had a real good year. And then uh, you know, Luke Darcy's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lingy, Lingy, you did it well. Lingy, mate, you, you're spot on. Guthrie's in. But where are we going to put him? And then yeah, uh, Gill comes up and goes, well, maybe we just put him on the wing. Yeah, nah, he's, he's uh, a great call, Gill. We'll put him in there. And I feel like that's what's going on. And maybe it's not Cameron Ling that suggested uh, Cam Thank Guthrie. You. Thank <laughs> you. Apologies to, uh, to, to Lingy. But that's sort of how you feel. We hear these guys, so many of them, we hear them commentate games, right? We hear Darcy Richardson. We hear yeah, uh, Ling commentating. We hear yeah, Treadray does South Australian radio. We hear these guys and we hear them congratulate each other Every five minutes. Nah, good call. Nah, good call. And I reckon that that is basically this meeting. It's the nah, good call uh, convention here. Nah, good call. Put him in. That's that's what it feels like. And I don't know how much debating there is going on with all of this um, and and common sense, but it it feels like there is a lot of uh, convincing or like, yeah, I'll let you have this one, Lingy. I'll let you have this one, Steve. Like whatever it is. Uh, it just it feels like there is an easy, transparent method that can eliminate a lot of this, and that is to me by having ballots and by having uh, positions that are, are distinct. Yeah, and it's just not hard. I mean, you do your own ballot. We did our own. It's we come so, here. It's not hard. And, and uh, listen, uh, I understand 100% because I, I think that I'm in the um, – and I, I can admit this. I think I'm in the minority that thinks that Dusty and Danger in the forward line was fine, but – I presented my case, I presented the numbers, I gave my stats why I think that's the case, and that's that's my opinion, but that's totally fine. And and I think, you know, you do that uh, by yourself, you present your team, whoever has the most votes gets in. Simple. Yep, and you can't tell me you can't find 50 media members slash former players slash administrators to cast ballots to yeah, create this rather than you know, seven blokes you know, Zoom calling to talk about it. Yeah, no, no, no. It would make sense, and and again, um, the position 
arguments. I guess I, I thought this year was a little bit um, less prominent than it's been in the past. There's no doubt. I think it was probably due to the funny season as well. As I said, some guys, you know, sort of split their roles a little bit more in, than in the past. But uh, there's no doubt that just trotting out the traditional uh, team lineup style has been weird for a while. And uh, this is this argument isn't new. I mean, it feels new and it feels more intensified than any other season. But it's it's been the same for the last five, six years, as you kind of pointed out. I reckon that'll wrap us up for today, Kane, and for this week. Next week, we are really going to crack into looking at the finals matchups because we are. this is the, the week off, so we've had other stuff to talk about. It's been a fun week, but we've got the finals to talk about next week. So I will see you then. Uh, looking forward to it, yes. I, I do wish the finals were this weekend, but I guess I can hang out for a few more days. I think you'll I think you'll survive and uh, deal with... You know, maybe you're not dealing with it, but it is very, very cold here in Melbourne today. It's 10 degrees, which... Uh, for the middle of September is not a great temperature, but that doesn't matter because you can rug yourselves up inside and listen to all the back episodes of Locked On AFL. And while you're doing that, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify today. I will leave you with a shout-out to Jordan Lyle.